What up, son? It's the tail of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. I tell it a tape, season two, episode thirty-six. Can't believe we're through thirty-six episodes of season two so far. Almost halfway. There's probably going to be somewhere around like seventy-five episodes in season two, so we're almost through halfway. Um, so I finally decided to close the windows. For some reason, I feel like super weird today. Almost like I took some sort of like psychedelic drugs. Um, anytime I stand up or put the lights on, I feel like I'm tripping out. I don't have like good balance. I have no idea what the fuck is going on right now, but it's freezing out and I wasn't feeling the window open today. So etch that one in your brains. <laughs> Today's probably going to be a super long, but really awesome episode. So enjoy on today's episode. We got method man and Smith and Wesson. So this is going to be another example here where you're probably going to be a bit shocked by my personal opinion of Method Man and probably for more than one reason. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, not only was I born and raised in Staten Island 33 years, but I also actually lived in Park Hill for a couple of years, which is the projects that most of Wu-Tang is from. Um, I've also met Method Man on many, many occasions I actually went to the same gym as Method Man for years. Um, he's an absolute fucking beast in the gym, just for the record. Now, for those of you who didn't catch the Jizza episode from earlier this year, it might come as a surprise to you to hear that I was not a giant Wu-Tang or Method Man fan growing up. I was probably too young to really understand what made the group so dope, which was mostly their original style and sound. And just to be clear, I never disliked Wu-Tang and always had the utmost respect for their movement, but I just never really thought any of the members were all that good. Like they, they had this crazy buzz and everything around them and just the way that my mind operated, it was kind of like, I don't understand. These guys are not that great for everybody to be talking about them like that. Again, I liked them. I just didn't understand why they were getting so much bigger of a buzz than anybody else was. Now, I was warned multiple times by a couple of different sources that some Wu-Tang members were super dope and would push for a top spot, and Method Man was always one of those people that people named to me. I knew the popularity Method Man had, not only from being part of Wu-Tang, but on his solo ventures as well, but again, never thought he was anything special at all, so we'll have to see if that holds true when we break down Meth. And as far as Smith & Wesson, I had almost zero history with them. Uh, I knew the name, and I'd even heard their alias as Coco Brothers, but other than knowing their names, I couldn't tell you much about them from which member was which to song names or anything like that. So, Method Man's debut album was out in 1994, and Smith & Wesson came out in the first quarter of 1995. So we are officially moving on to a new year here today, 1995. Let's start off here with Meth, as he was obviously out first, and see if my pre-rankings of Meth hold true. Born Clifford Smith Jr., March 2nd, 1971, in Hempstead, New York, United States. His years active are listed as 1992 to present, also known as Johnny Blaze, Tikal, Mr. Meth, and Hot Nichols. Origins, Staten Island, New York, United States, and his genres are listed as hip-hop. 
So, second artist we've covered so far to actually be from Staten Island here, as we had Shaheem on just over a month ago, who was the first artist covered to be from Staten Island. Wu-Tang was out before Shaheem, but Shaheem's solo work was out before Method Man's solo work. So that's why we've already covered Shaheem and not Meth. And just on principle, I'm going to have to point out anytime someone is from Staten, so you're going to have to bear with me on that one. <laughs> now, let's dive into a little background on Method Man. Clifford Smith Jr., born March 2nd, 1971, better known by his stage name Method Man, is an American rapper, songwriter, record producer, and actor. He is known as a member of the East Coast hip-hop collective Wu-Tang Clan. He is also half of the hip-hop duo Method Man and Red Man. He took his stage name from the 1979 film Method Man. In 1996, Smith won a Grammy Award for Best Rap Performance by a duo or group for I'll Be There For You, You're All I Need To Get By, featuring American R&B singer Mary J. Blige, whom he currently stars with in Power Book 2, Ghost, a spin-off of its original show, Power. Smith has appeared in films such as 187 in 1997, Belly in 1998, How High in 2001, Garden State in 2004, The Wackness in 2008, Venom in 2005, Red Tails in 2012, Keanu in 2016, and The Cobbler in 2014. On television, he and frequent collaborator fellow East Coast rapper Redman co-starred on the short-lived Fox sitcom Method and Red. He has also had recurring roles in three HBO series as Tug Daniels in Oz, Melvin Cheese Wagstaff in The Wire, and Rodney in The Deuce. Method Man also appears in the TBS comedy The Last OG. So... Maybe not as much there for Method Man as you'd expect, at least not musically. You know, we do see the Grammy Award for the song with Mary J, but other than that, mostly stuff about other ventures. So, let's get into my breakdown on Method Man as a rapper. You'd be hard-pressed to find anyone from Staten Island who doesn't like Wu-Tang. I certainly wouldn't say I dislike them, as I had most of their albums and enjoy most of their artist music. I always felt drawn to their movement more than their skill, and thought as rappers they were a bit overrated. First Jizza had something to say about that, to which I thought, okay, well that's just one guy. Then along came Method Man with a tremendous amount of subtle but super dope lines, worded so uniquely, and an excellent ability to use different rhyme schemes and patterns. He never once struggled to keep a topic, and was one of the most consistent rappers verse to verse to date, and he finished as a great lyricist overall. Mr. Meth qualified seven albums with Wu-Tang, six solo albums, and three collaboration albums. Out of the 16 total albums, two were classics, one was a borderline classic, another five on top of that were great, and the remaining eight were good. Not even a single average album anywhere with anyone ever, again alluding to his consistency. Of his 213 songs, 23 were great, another 83 were good, and only 3 were weak. Almost exactly 50% of his songs were good or better. Wu-Tang has had such a major impact on hip-hop that just being one of the 9 members would probably carry you to an above-average score in this particular category. On top of that, Meth is probably the most commercially successful and recognizable household name of all 9 members and is probably one of the only members to have had almost as much success by himself as the group did as a whole. 
On top of that, he had clear visible impacts on artists such as Cannabis, Sheik Luch, Smith & Wesson, Eminem, Razkas, Q-Tip, Shaheem, AG, Fat Joe, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, Cypress Hill, Ghostface Killer, Raekwon, Next Wonder, Big Pun, Special Ed, Chuck D, Naughty by Nature, Ice-T, Vanilla Ice, Guru, and believe it or not, a few others. As if he wasn't already impressive in every other area, Takal found one more place to shine. From his slang and musical sound, to his unique rhyme style and wordplay, to his image and artistic ideas, Method Man was without a doubt one of a kind. So, that obviously doesn't sound like the breakdown of someone who's quote-unquote not that good, as I stated in my opinion earlier in the episode, so... Let's go through the math on Method Man and see how it adds up for him. Lyrics, he gets an 8. Like I spoke about, I, I just... I, I just really no other way to put this. I, I was pretty blown away by Method Man. Um, early on, I, I did see glimpses of what I was referring to early in the podcast when I gave my opinion on Method Man and said that I didn't think he was all that great. So, again, I'm not saying that Meth was bad early on, but slightly above average really early on, like maybe on the first Wu-Tang CD and his first solo CD and stuff like that. Again, above average, but nothing special. Meth just continued to up his pace as time went on, and I will say even to this day right now, Method Man, I mean, the last that I've heard of him was probably some of his best stuff, so I would have to say that currently Method Man is probably at the top of his game. If he was to come out with some more stuff, he could probably up this score, but I mean, super, super impressive stuff from Method Man, just very, very consistent, tremendous with different rhyme schemes, um, you know, good with the with the syllables, so many little subtle dope lines, and I, I think that's part of the reason why it went a little bit unnoticed by me as to just how dope Method Man was lyrically, because there were so many different ways that he went about doing this. Like, you know, you have somebody like uh, Big L or something like that where you just hear punchlines constantly, these hard bars, and you're like, yo, this dude is fucking sick. And I never had Method Man on that level because that's not really his style. But if you're listening close, there are probably so many little lines that you're not even really catching, and there's just another one in the next bar. So it's like if you don't catch one really quickly and then you catch the next one, you probably miss the first one. So I just, I really, really, really was super, super impressed by Method Man. I mean, this goes way back to, I remember Joe Budden's one of my favorite rappers and I remember when him and Method Man got into it and um, I just remember thinking, you know, when Joe Budden was saying, are you going to stand here and look me in the eyes and tell me that if me and Method Man were to battle back and forth that he would be the victor? And the way that Joe Budden was saying it was he was kind of baffled by by the fact that someone would even say this to him. And it's crazy because I, I sided with Joe Budden on that. It had nothing to do with the beef. But I just felt Joe Budden's opinion. And I was like, is this serious? Are people really even comparing these two guys and saying that Method Man would stand any chance in a battle against Joe Budden? But man, was I fucking wrong. Now, that's not to say that Method Man beats Joe Budden in a battle, that Method Man beats Joe Budden here in this podcast, whether it's overall or lyrically. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But fuck, was I wrong about how dope Method Man was lyrically. 
So I guess, you know, when I get to Joe Budden and I get through that, maybe I'll give a better assessment of who I thought would have won that battle. But, you know, I just got to give a shout out and some props to Methia because he was just way better than I really ever gave him credit for. Albums, he gets a 5.16 with two classics, and he did have another borderline classic. So if somebody wants to sit here and say, ah, I think Meth had three or four classics, four I'll probably disagree with you on. But there was another borderline classic in there, so you want to give him three classics. I really won't argue with anybody that says that. But I mean, nonetheless, two classic albums from Meth there. A tremendous, tremendous album score of 5.16. That's super high. I remember telling you guys a couple of weeks ago that 3.3 is like the average score for albums. So 5.16, obviously way above that. Songs, he gets a plus 0.96 which is just under a full point for Method Man, which is super dope. We talk about that all the time. We see people losing points and, you know, oh, it's a very little amount or somebody gaining a very little amount. And it probably doesn't really affect their overall score too, too much. You know, maybe a point zero five or something like that, which again, that will move them some spots. But that's why I say I don't want to hear you putting somebody at number four when I have them at number 67 or something like that, because these little discrepancies are not going to move somebody up 60 slots like that. But, I mean, you know, plus almost a whole point here for Method Man in the songs department. Like I said, that came from 213 songs overall with 23 great songs as opposed to only three songs that were weak. So, obviously, way more great songs than weak songs. It came out to almost exactly 10%, which gives him almost plus a full point in that songs department. Impact, he gets a 9. And, listen, this is just one of those things, man. Like I said... Any one of these Wu-Tang members, you're not going to get a below average impact score if you're an original nine Wu-Tang member. You're just not. Because what that group did as a whole, it carries any one of its members to at least just above average on impact. Now, the least of its members that really, you know, maybe never had much solo work or had like no success as a solo artist or, you know, maybe were just hidden in a couple of songs. They were one of the nine members. And I'm not trying to shit on anybody. I'm just saying. Okay, maybe those people get a five and a half. You know, then you got some other people that were kind of mid-range people. And then you had your upper guys. You had Raekwon, ODB, people like that, where they were the more popular dudes in the group. Um, not speaking on anybody's technical ability, but just, you know, Ghostface, Raekwon, ODB, Method Man. Uh, you know, you could probably even throw RZA around in there. Those are some of the more popular guys in the group. I mean, those guys are going to get like seven and a halfs and above automatically, bro. Even if they don't have a giant list of names of people that they influenced, their movement alone, what they were part of alone is going to carry the least of them to right above average. Method Man, that's not the case for Meth. Meth was not only a part of that group, but he was probably the most popular, probably the most commercially successful. Um... Right now, looking like he might have been technically the best. And a giant list, a giant list of a bunch of tremendous names there when you're talking about artists that Method Man influenced. So uh, this nine is well warranted for sure. And then originality, he gets another nine in that department. I mean, look at these fucking scores, bro. Lyrics, eight, impact, nine, originality, nine. This is the type of shit I'm talking about. This guy's got two classic albums. Almost plus a whole point in the songs department. I don't think I need to tell anybody. This is probably going to be a tremendous finish. I think it's been a very long time, if ever, that we've seen anybody with scores like this. So, 
Normally you would add the five numbers up and divide by five. Today you'll be adding the six numbers up because we have to add the extra two points in for the two classic albums. So you add all those six numbers up and you divide by five and that gives you a final rating of 6.82, which leaves Method Man in. Drum roll, please. Eighth place of 183 artists done overall. So, once again, I am absolutely forced to eat my words with another Wu-Tang member. Not only was my assessment of Method Man's skill level wrong, but Method Man is absolutely fucking tremendous. You know, it's one thing to be wrong, it's another thing to just be way off. So, I gotta give major props to Meth, absolutely terrific and original lyricist who I have nothing but good things to say about. I absolutely take back my previous statements about Method Man. He is an all-time great, no question. So, on top of me eating my words, with Method Man finishing inside the top 10, that means we get a song breakdown which we haven't had in a while. So, the last song breakdown we did was Nas, and it certainly wasn't one of Nas's best songs lyrically, so... Today we're going to do a random on Method Man's list again, and this is my last attempt at this. I'm going to just hope that that last time was a fluke, but if we get a subpar song here from Method Man by chance, from now on, I will personally pick the song breakdowns that we do, just to make sure that we don't have that happening consistently. Like I said, Method Man was super, super consistent when it came to lyrics and stuff like that, so... I highly doubt that we're going to get, you know, something shitty from Method Man here today. It's not to say that Nas's was shitty, but I'm just trying to make a point. When you got these guys finishing inside this top five and this top ten and stuff like that, and then you go play a song breakdown for them, and it's like an average song or, you know, maybe a slightly above average song. I mean, that's not really what we were looking for when I made the announcement that we were only going to do song breakdowns of guys that finish in the top ten. You know, the reasoning behind doing that was partly because I really wanted to get in some super dope songs and super dope verses and show you guys what some of these top guys are doing to get these really, really high scores lyrically and stuff like that and, and get these high album songs and high song scores and stuff like that. And even their originality could be shown in certain songs or their storytelling capabilities. So I don't want to do a song breakdown of somebody that I'm telling you was absolutely amazing and then just have them doing some average shit on here that's not really what we're looking for. So let's go to mess list, let's hit random, and we'll see what happens here. So this is Method Man, Dirty Meth, featuring Old Dirty Bastard, and this is from Method Man's album 421, The Day After, released in 2005. Expect the unexpected, motherfucker. Let's go, come on. Yeah, M.E.F. Ha ha ha, special guest. <laughs> yeah, yo, you don't wanna ride with dirt, you still stuck in coach. You don't wanna fly first, yo, I can spit one verse and leave in a new band's verse. Take a trip down south and put some holes to work, you hear me? Okay, I wanna pause it here for a second. Um, a couple of things I wanna say. Number one, I've spoke about this before. Normally when we're covering somebody and their song is featuring somebody, it's iffy if we're going to play that song or not. This one is just featuring ODB, who did make the cut, so I will allow this song to be played because ODB did make this cut. We are going to cover him in this podcast, so I don't have any issue covering him here today. I don't want to break down lyrics of guys who didn't even make the uh, the cut and get into the podcast. I just feel like, 
you know, we only have a certain amount of time to do certain things. And I would really like to give the guys that made the cut their proper credit and their proper shine. So like I said, ODB makes the cut. He starts off here with his verse and a, a couple of things right away. So he says, you don't want to ride with dirt. You still stuck in coach. You don't want to fly in first. You, I can spit one verse. And then that's kind of a run on bar because it makes sense by itself to just say that I could spit one verse, but the way that he says it, it doesn't really make sense with what he's saying prior to it. So you can kind of tell that he's going into another line here. So a run on ball there from ODB, which leads into and leave in a new Ben's vert. Then he goes on to say, take a trip down south and put some hose to work. So on the first couple of bars, he does have, you know, some multi-syllabic rhymes where he says, ride with dirt, fly in first. Um, but he doesn't keep that up for long enough to gain points for the syllables. That's only six syllables rhyme there. And then he has verse, which makes seven. Uh, not enough to really raise the song score. He does have the run on bar, which would pull it down a little bit. And then the line ends with take a trip down south and put some hose to work, which just rhymes with verse and vert. Um, just one syllable on those rhymes there. So... A little bit of inconsistency there from ODB, and I'm not trying to be a dick here, but I don't think anybody in the world has ODB as a good lyricist, so if we can get through this verse without Dirty tearing this song down, I'll be somewhat surprised to a certain extent because he definitely does a little bit more bad than good. He makes up for it in originality, I'm sure. There is not a single individual that's ever lived on this planet quite like ODB. So I don't want to get too much into ODB as this isn't his episode, but I'll continue to play the song and we'll break down the rest of his verse. Okay, so again, we got a couple of things there, a couple of inconsistencies from ODB again. So he says, Dirt McGirt, you niggas gonna respect it. I'm drunk and crunk, so don't come in my direction. So a couple of things there, respect it, direction, you got two syllables on the rhyme there, and then in between he has drunken crunk, so we have an A-B-B-A -B -B -A rhyme pattern there from ODB, and then the next line, he says, I'm ready to thump and get the whole crew arrested, which thump goes back to drunk and crunk, so another rhyme pattern there, so we had the little that he lost for the, um, for the run on bar early in the song, and then we got two ways that he makes up for it here a little bit later, so... Right now, we're actually at more good than bad from ODB here. And then the last line, he says, bail him out and laugh about it in Texas. That's one of those lines where I'm not going to take anything off for this line because it's not that it's terrible. It's not a reach for a punchline or anything like that. It's just one of those things. You'll hear me sometimes when I give, you know, I'm reading my breakdowns of people and you'll hear me say sometimes things like he just rhymes words to rhyme words. Okay, so what I mean by that, this is a perfect example. This is one of these scenarios where ODB could have really said anything. Bail him out and laugh about it in New York. Bail him out and laugh about it in Texas. Bail him out and laugh about it in Cali. Okay, you could have said anything. So there's really no substance or meaning to the line here at all. It's kind of random. I mean, it's coming off of what he said before it. I'm ready to thump and get the whole crew arrested. Bail him out and laugh about it in Texas. But we can clearly see that Texas is only used because he wanted to rhyme something with arrested. So there really is nothing going on in Texas. He's just using Texas so he can say something at the end of that line to rhyme with arrested. So 
it's a little bit poor. It's a little bit of a cop out, but I'm not going to take points away on the song for it. I just want to point out how it's a little bit of, I don't want to call it a weak line necessarily, but certainly not a strong line at all. Okay, so he ends his verse off there with just pretty average stuff. I'm not going to go through every single bar and read every single line. It's just, you know, where the happening's at, where the stabbing's at, where the caddy's at. So just two syllables on most of those rhymes there. Just simple self-explanatory lines. Nothing too crazy. Certainly nothing weak. Um, you know, then after that, the last four bars, love dirt, going through the worst, doing it first, doing the worst. So... You know, the last four bars, same thing as the couple of bars right before it, only the couple before it were two syllables. These ones are just one syllable with dirt, worst, first, worst, and stuff like that. Again, just average bars, nothing that's really going to raise or lower the song score here at all, but I'm a little bit surprised, and again, I'm not saying this to shit on Dirty. I'm a little bit surprised. There was probably more good than bad there from, from Dirt Dog overall, so um, he didn't put meth in any kind of hole that meth has to climb out of here or anything like that. And then in the hook... They do something a little weird here with the hook where they say, you don't want to ride with dirt, you're still stuck in coach. You don't want to fly in first, yo, I can spit. And then Method Man goes on to say, you don't want to ride with meth, you still sniffing coke, which goes back to the first bar of you still stuck in coach. But then there really aren't any rhymes after that. So hooks are... Hooks are more subjective, okay? So if somebody has a hook where they're not necessarily rhyming or whatever like that, you're not going to lose points for that the way that you are in a verse. Where you start to lose points for a hook is where you show an inability to do different things. When 90% of your hooks are just one word repeated or 80% of your hooks are just one line repeated or whatever the case is or something like that and you show an inability to really do anything else, that's when you might start losing a little bit of points on your hooks. But hooks are, you know, they're not they're not always bars, right? I mean, they could be samples in hooks. You're not going to lose points because there's no bars in the hooks. So I can't take points away from somebody for not necessarily rhyming in the hook or anything like that the way that I can in their verses. But I do want to just point out that even though they don't capitalize on an opportunity there for a rhyme scheme... They probably just chose not to do that and they wanted the hook to be a little bit repetitive and end in the same on the same note. So they kind of just rhyme the coach and coke and then spun the other way. Yo, I can spit. So although it's not anything that's going to raise the song score because it's not technically a different rhyme scheme or pattern or anything like that, um, some pretty cool and clever stuff there from Meth and Dirty on the hook. So let's let the rest of the hook play out and then we'll listen to Method Man's verse and break that down. You don't wanna ride with dirt, you're still stuck in coke You don't wanna fly in first, yo, I can spit, yo You don't wanna ride with meth, you're still sniffing coke Even if you tried your best, yo, I can spit, yeah Damn, I'm just like dirt in the booth, I'm the truth I don't need to go to church in a suit Each verse is the proof, I drink a hundred proof Cops searching the coupe, I got some herb in my booth 
Okay, so let's take a pause there because Method Man is absolutely snapping out already. <laughs> he comes on the song and says, yeah, damn, I'm just like dirt in the booth. I'm the truth. I don't need to go to church in a suit. So seven syllables rhyme there on the first two bars for Method Man. Then he says, each verse is the proof, which goes back to dirt in the booth and church in a suit. So church in a suit versus the proof. Four syllables on each rhyme there. So that just by itself is enough to raise it a little bit. Then he says, I drink a hundred proof. Cops search in the group. I got some herb in my boot. So same thing. Search in the coop goes with versus the proof. And then he finishes it with herb in my boot, which is another four syllables. So again, Method Man comes right in with some dope stuff. Um, raising the song score a little bit. Again, this isn't up to a good song or anything like that. There are some scenarios in here I just want to point out because I don't want to sound like I'm being biased and big and meth up here. I didn't give him credit for every single one of those because dirt in the booth, church in a suit, in is the same words. So that's actually only six syllables there. He did have truth, which made it seven. But then he had versus the proof, which is four syllables. Then on to I drink a hundred proof, cop search in the coop, which versus the proof and search in the coop they both have the those are the same words so again that's really only six syllables even though it sounds like eight and then he says herb in my boot which actually is another four syllable rhyme so two four plus syllable rhymes there on the first four bars from method man so again enough to raise this song score it's not up to a good song or anything just yet but meth coming in hard here for sure when Wu was coming through, the outcome critical. Fucking with this style, the outcome get physical. Meth get lyrical and y'all can get my genitals. Don't forget them eight essential vitamins and minerals. <laughs> okay, so a couple of things here that I want to point out. He says, when Wu is coming through, the outcome critical. Fucking with this style, the outcome get physical. Again, this is enough here to raise this a little bit because you have Wu and through, which is AA. Then you have outcome critical, which is B, and then fucking with this style, the outcome get physical, which is B. So we have an AABB rhyme pattern there, which is not anything mixed up. So he's not going to get any points for that. But we do have woo and through, which is a one syllable rhyme. So that's two syllables. Then we have critical and physical, which are three each. So he gets eight syllables rhymed on the two bars there again. And then he says, meth get lyrical and y'all could get my genitals. Don't forget them eight essentials, vitamins, and minerals. So obviously you can see that lyrical, genitals, essential, minerals, all that shit. There's way more than eight syllables rhyme there. There's probably closer to like nine or ten syllables rhymed on those two bars there. So excellent stuff here from Method Man when it comes to syllables, which he was very, very consistent with. And I want to point out something here. I gave my opinion and my assessment of Method Man prior to me doing this study right and i explained how i didn't think method man was that great now you have to keep in mind that at no point when i was just growing up and listening to music was i counting people's syllables or checking for rhyme schemes i would just hear shit and either think it was dope or not right what i was noticing from from method man is lines like that where he would say don't forget the made essentials vitamins and minerals and me personally you know, I'm not a big fan of that line. It, it's something similar to what ODB did earlier when he said Texas. And I said, I'm giving you an example of when people are just saying words and just, you know, just rhyming words to rhyme words where, you know, that really doesn't have much to do with what he's saying. Now, don't get me wrong. I get where he's going. 
but I just never really thought it was a good line. And I would hear Method Man saying things like that. And for me, it would kind of take a little, a little bit away from the verse because I just didn't prefer shit like that. But what I wasn't noticing was how many syllables Method Man rhymed on those two bars. So, no, the bars themselves are not great. But the amount of syllables that he rhymes certainly is for sure. And I just wanted to point that out that that's one of those examples of part of the reason why my assessment of Method Man was probably so far off before I went through this. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking one for the team. Like Martin Luther King, taking one for a drink. I'm dope, dope. Too many things live by any means. If you don't stand for nothing, you fall for anything. Okay, some more dope stuff there from Meth. He goes on to say, hey, you know what I mean? I'm taking one for the team. Like Martin Luther King taking one for a dream. Nothing special there. It's a, I'm not, not a bad line or anything, but nothing special. Nothing that's going to raise the song score. And then he goes on to say, I'm dope. Too many fiends. Live by many means. If you don't stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. So at first glance, that's a lot of syllables, Ryan. But it's, it's not as many as it seems like it is because he says many fiends. And then many means. So many and many are obviously the same thing. So we have anything, which is three syllables, and then means and fiends, which is a total of five syllables rhymed on those two bars, which is not enough to raise the song score at all. But he does have that dope line there. If you don't stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And I don't really think I need to break that bar down or explain that to anybody. I'm sure people have probably heard that statement before. And... I'm not saying that Method Man, you know, came up with that statement, but he's the first that I've heard to my recollection to use it in a rhyme, and it, it's a dope line. So let's finish the verse here by Meth and see how this song ends up. That's real shit. Let's get this money real quick. Dirt dog, I'm feeling this, but I'd rather feel rich. I mean, filthy rich. I'm corporate now. Big Meth, the label step. That's why I talk so loud. Nigga, you don't want to ride with dirt. You still suck in coke. You don't want to fly in first. Yo, I can spit. Yo, you don't want to ride with meth. You're still sniffing coke. Even if you tried your best, yo, I can spit. Yo, you don't want to ride with dirt. You still suck in coke. You don't want to fly in first. Yo, I can spit. Yo, you don't want to ride with meth. You're still sniffing coke. Even if you tried your best, yo, I can spit. Fuck you. So that was Method Man, Dirty Meth, featuring ODB, which, like I said, was on Method Man's album 421 The Day After, which came out in January of 2005, I believe. So Method Man goes on to say, that's real shit. Let's get this money real quick. Dirt dog, I'm feeling this, but I'd rather feel rich. Again, we got real shit real quick. So it's really only quick and shit, the one syllable rhyme there. And then he says, I'm feeling this, but I'd rather feel rich, which is cool. It's a cool line. I don't think it's anything special. I don't think it's anything to like raise the song score here or anything like that. And then he goes on to say, I mean, filthy rich. I'm corporate now. Big meth. The label's depth. That's why I talk so loud. So couple things there on the last two bars. And I, I do actually remember this being a pattern on most Method Man songs that he closed out very strong, if I remember correctly. So 
He does the same thing here and racks on a couple more little points. So he says, I mean, filthy rich. I'm corporate now. That's A. Then he says, big meth. The label's deaf. That's BB. That's why I talk so loud, which goes back to corporate now, which is A. So he has an A-B-B-A rhyme pattern there. And also he has corporate now, talk so loud, which is three syllables on each one for a total of six, plus meth and deaf for a total of eight. And at the end of the day, this is certainly not one of meth's best songs. Um, I would say this is probably around a two overall. It might not have been quite all the way up to two, but it was very close Depending on what came before it or something like that, it might have gotten a 1, it might have gotten a 2, but I can definitely tell you that this was closer to a 2 than a 1 for sure. And a bit of give and take there on that song, we had Dirty get some points, minus off early, and then bring it back to even and even a little bit above later in his verse, so Meth basically had a clean slate. Um, only two verses in the song overall and only one by Meth. So we didn't get a huge showcase today here of meth, but we did definitely see some dope stuff in that verse. Um, you know, this wasn't a single or one of Method Man's biggest songs by any stretch, so it's not going to get any points for anything like that. But still, with only one verse, Meth able to basically single-handedly carry this song probably up to a good song. And that certainly wasn't the best Method Man verse I've ever heard, but... Good enough to make a statement, I guess, here, as if he needed to prove anything else after that finish. <laughs> so, obviously, big shout-out there for Method Man. I mean, you know, finishing inside our top 10 overall here. Absolutely incredible stuff. Forced to eat my words again. And uh, now moving on to Smith & Wesson, who are the first artists in our podcast to come out in the calendar year of 1995. So, starting up a new year here today... And this is the very last year of what is considered to be the golden age of hip-hop. So when we move on to 1996, we will officially, technically, no longer be in the golden age of hip-hop anymore. Smith & Wesson only had two albums, both of which were qualified for the study. So the group as a whole and all of its work counts, as well as each individual artist being scored separately. So we'll start off with Smith & Wesson as a group and move into each member individually. Also known as Coco Brothers and Tech and Steel, Origins Brooklyn, New York City, New York, United States. Genres are listed as hip hop. Years active are listed as 1993 to present. And its members are Tech and Steel. So let's get into a little bit of a background here on Smith and Wesson as a group. Smith and Wesson, also known as Coco Brothers and Tech and Steel, is an American hip hop group from the Brooklyn borough of New York City. Composed the rappers to Common Tech Williams from Bedford-Stuyvesant and Darrell Steele Yates from Brownsville. The duo comprised one quarter of supergroup Bootcamp Click together with Buckshot, Helter Skelter, and Original Gunclappers. Both members are known for their Jamaican patois during their raps, which was more evident during the earlier stages of their career. So, not too much there as far as background info on the group, just where they were from and who they're associated with, which if you're familiar with these guys and some of the underground circuit, you probably already knew that. And if you're not, you probably still don't know who most of these names are, so not sure how much that helped. <laughs> but either way, neither of these group's members had solo albums, but there was room for separation, so like I said, they were scored individually. Out of random, we'll just start with Tech here as he just happens to be the first name up on the list. Unfortunately, there was no additional information given on each particular artist, just the group as a whole. 
So we'll have to just apply the info that we got on them as a group and get right into my breakdown on tech. I knew both the names Smith & Wesson and the Coco Brothers, but was not familiar with either member's individual names, nor did I have any of their albums or know any songs. Both of them took shortcuts and used run-on bars, but also got better, especially with rhyming syllables as time went on. Tech seemed decent with his ability to hold a topic and finished average overall, as there wasn't too much overly good or bad about anything he did. Tech went 50-50 with Steele on all six albums, plus the EP with Smith & Wesson. All seven of those albums were good albums. Of the 87 songs total from the group, only one was great while two were weak, but another 22 were good. When it came to impact, neither artist nor the group as a whole was a household name, had any major notable successes or accolades, or clearly influenced many other artists musically. Originality wasn't all that much better, but they can at least say that they never sold out and seemed to stay true to themselves. So... Not a huge write-up there, which I think was fair, as there wasn't too much to talk about, so let's just dive right into the math and see how that worked out for Tech. Lyrics, he gets a 5. Like I spoke about, there really just wasn't too much overly good or bad. He did take some shortcuts and use run-on bars, especially early on, and then a little bit later got better with syllables and stuff like that. All that just evened him out to a 5. Albums, he gets a 4.24 with zero classics. Songs, he gets a minus 0.12. Which, again, that's a very small number, but you're losing points where you could be gaining points. And that came from having one great song out of a total of 87, but having two weak songs. So, they get the minus .12 there. Impact, he gets a 4.5. And, and you heard in my breakdown just there, you know, neither member from the group or even the group itself for that matter, like a household name or anything... You know, no no major notable successes, accolades, number of record sales, records broken, or anything like that. Um, really no names there either for people that they influence musically. So, four and a half was a, a little bit of a slippery slope here. This could have been closer to a four. They were pushing it to a four, but give them just below average overall for impact. And then originality, he gets a five and a half, which is just above average. Um, like I spoke about, you know, there wasn't anything... There wasn't really anything overly original about them at all, but I did think the fact that they just, you know, they never sold out, they never seemed to change their sound or their style, and they just stayed true to themselves, I thought that that alone was enough to just give them just slightly above average for originality there. And then you add all those five numbers up, and you divide by five, and you get a final rating of 3.82, which leaves Tech in 149th place of 183 artists done overall. So not a great finish there from Tech of Smith & Wesson. Could be worse, but again, bottom quarter for someone mostly average scores across the board, which we obviously see that this is the way that it is now this far into the study. And uh, now on to the group's other member, Steele. It was hard to find separation between the two members of the group as neither man had a solo career or solo songs. Steel followed most of the same patterns as Tech, but was just slightly better lyrically, particularly with rhyme schemes and syllables. He also went 50-50 with Tech on all the Smith & Wesson albums, which they showed major consistency in, all of them being good albums. Like Tech, he also had one great song and two weak ones of the 87 total. Steel wasn't able to rattle off any more names of artists he influenced to this list than his partner was. And originality was another area where these two performed completely as a duo and were dead even. So, again, not too much there for Steel either. And aside from lyrically, 
not really any difference between the two at all. And even that, you know, the lyrical score was a very, very slight margin. So let's go over to Math for Steel and see how it added up. Lyrics, it gets a five and a half, like you just heard about, you know, just slightly above average. I just thought that he did a little bit more with rhyme schemes and syllables than Tech did. And it was just, you know, a little bit extra, just enough to carry him just above average there. Albums, he gets a 4.24 with zero classics. The exact same score as Tech, which like we spoke about, they were 50-50 on all the albums. So no surprise there. Songs, he gets a minus 0.12. Again, same exact score as Tech same number of songs all on the same songs together and stuff like that same song scores around the board so impact four and a half again same as tech and originality five and a half again same as tech so everything there the same except for the lyric score which just a slight difference you add all those five numbers up and you divide by five and you get a final rating of 3.92 which leaves steel in 141st place of 183 artists done overall so slightly better than Tech as we see Steel with a tiny bit higher of a lyrical score by the smallest of margins. With everything else being identical, that was just enough for Steel to finish a couple of slots ahead of fellow group member Tech. But still a bottom 25% finish for Steel. And to be fair, I'm not sure how high anyone expected these guys to finish. That's not at all to say that these guys were bad by any means. Average and slightly above average for each member lyrically. But again... With average scores across the board, you're not going to like where you finish at this point in the study. But big shout-outs to Tech and Steel of Smith and Wesson Man for sure. And now let's get into our list. So today we have a member from 1994 and a group to kick off the calendar year 1995. So we're left with a choice to make. We can stick with our top 15% overall one last time. Or we can just jump right into changing this to a top 10% as we are now officially in 1995. But since we will be at a top 10% overall from now on for a while, I will leave this list as a top 15% overall for today just so we can get these guys' names in there one last time. But next week we are 100% going down to a top 10% overall. Now obviously next week the list will be a bit shorter. But remember, as we finish more people, that top 10% gets bigger and bigger. So expect to see some names removed from this list next week who may possibly return as the list gets longer or be ousted by new names we run off going forward. So for your last time ever, here is your current top 15% overall. In our top spot, Nas, who's in 5th place of 183 artists done overall. Behind him, we now have Method Man, who's in 8th place. A couple of slots back from Meth in 10th is Black Thought of The Roots. And then directly behind Black Thought, we have Tupac and Biggie, who are in a 3-way tie for 11th place. Behind them, tied for 15th, we have Pharaoh Monch. A couple of slots back from Pharaoh is KRS-One, who's in 18th. Behind him in 22nd is Jizza. Couple of slots back from Jizza is Slick Rick, who's in 24th. Couple of slots back from him in 26th is Rakim. Directly behind Rakim is Redman, who's in 27th. And directly behind him in 28th is Common. Behind Common, we have MF Doom, who's in 31st. And a couple of slots behind him in 33rd, we have Rev Run of Run DMC. Directly behind Rev Run, we have LL Cool J, who's in 34th. 
And a couple of slots back from him in 36th is Will Smith. Directly behind Will Smith is Crazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony, who's in 37th. And directly behind him in 38th is Lazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony. Directly behind Lazy is Sticky Fingers of Onyx, who's tied for 39th. And then a couple of slots back from Sticky, we have a tie between DMC of Run DMC and Ice Cube of NWA, who are both tied for 41st place of 183 artists done overall. So a huge change to this list today, as not only do we have an artist crack the list, but only one spot back from our top spot overall. So each artist behind him was not only moved down one spot on this list, but everyone from MF Doom down was moved down one additional spot, as I've recently finished someone who landed inside the top 30. So we'll have to wait and see who that is. Normally, this addition to the list would slide our last slot out, but because it was a tie for our last spot between DMC and Ice Cube, they are both able to hang on to the last spot in our top 15% overall here today and get their names read at least one more time before we shorten this list next week. So major shout out to Method Man, and I definitely want to give a shout out to anyone who has been a consistent stay in our top 15% overall list. As we go forward next week, you may not hear some of these names rattled off again for a while, if ever. So I really do just want to give the proper respect and credit here to those guys as we take another step forward next week in finding out who the top rappers of all time are. Now, on to our current top 10% lyrically overall. And again, we have major, major changes to this list. So, in a three-way tie for our top spot, we still have Pharaoh Manch, Black Thought of the Roots, and Nas, all in a tie with lyrical scores of 8.5. Now, behind them today, in 4th, we now have Method Man with a lyrical score of 8. Behind him, in a 3-way tie for 5th place, we have Master Ace, Jizza, and Common, who all got lyrical scores of 7.5. And, and then behind them, we have another tie between KRS-One and Lloyd Finesse, who both got lyrical scores of a 7. Behind them, we have a 10-way tie for 10th place between Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap, Everlast, Tupac, Redman, Sticky Fingers, Lazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony, Biggie, and Tame One, who all received lyrical scores of 6.5. So... For a long time, we had a bit of a gap between the top spots and the next slot down, with the top spots having a lyrical score of 8.5, and, and the next open spots having a lyrical score of 7.5. Now, we finally get someone who fits in there with an 8, as Method Man slid into 4th place with an 8 lyrically. And I have to say, man, not only was Method Man much, much better lyrically than I ever gave him credit for, but he's a top lyricist overall, for sure, man. And the dude still seems very capable of going hard. So it'll be interesting to see if Method Man releases any more material going forward and winds up even higher on this list by the time we get to the end of it. Either way, shoutouts to Method Man and everybody else in that list. The best of the best when it comes to lyrics here, for sure. So now let's get into our particular decades list, starting with our top five rappers to make their debut in the 1980s. So your top five rappers of the 80s are KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run of Run DMC, and LL Cool J. The list of OG legends who paved the way has stayed the same since we started reading off this list. So much respect to them for sure. 
And now on to our top five artists to make their debut in the 90s so far. In our top spot, Nas. Behind him, we now have Method Man. Then Black Thought of The Roots. And then a tie for the last spot between Tupac and Biggie. So after five weeks of no additions to this list, and this seemingly being one of the hardest lists of all time to crack, we have another edition just two weeks after the last one, which was Biggie, and Method Man finishes even higher than him. That unfortunately means that Pharaoh Manch is officially ousted from our top five rappers of the 90s thus far, and Biggie and Tupac are tied for that last spot. We certainly need to give a major shout out to Pharaoh as not only did he hold down one of these spots for a long time, but he is still currently high in both our top 15% overall, as well as holding down a top spot lyrically. So nothing at all to be ashamed of there for Pharaoh. And again, let this be a testament of how difficult this list is to crack. Here we have a guy who's in the top 10 overall. And holding down the top spot lyrically so far. And yet even he is not able to hang around in this top five of the 90s. So crazy stuff when it comes to this particular list for sure. Now let's get into our list that we started at earlier this session of our top three artists from each region of the country. And again, we have a major and exciting addition here. So we're going to start off with our East Coast. Your top rapper to come out of the East Coast thus far is Nas from Queens, New York. Behind him, we have Method Man from Staten Island, New York. And behind him, Black Thought of the Roots from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Moving across to our West Coast. Your top rapper to come out of the West Coast thus far is Tupac from Marin County, California. Behind him, we have Ice Cube of NWA from Los Angeles, California. And behind him, Everlast, also from Los Angeles, California. Moving down south, your top artist to come out of the south thus far is Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia. Behind him, we have Big Boy, also of Outkast and also from Atlanta, Georgia. Behind him in our last spot, we have Scarface of the Ghetto Boys from Houston, Texas. Moving over to our Midwest, your top rapper to come out of the Midwest thus far is Common from Chicago, Illinois. Behind him is Crazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland, Ohio. And behind him, Lazy Bone, also of Bone Thugs and Harmony, and also from Cleveland, Ohio. So, Method Man sliding into our number two spot of top rappers to come out of the East Coast so far, finishing right behind Nas and just ahead of Black Thought of the Roots. So, Philly has moved back to third place now and replaced by another New York resident. So, I'm curious to see if Philly can wind up hanging on to a spot here in our top rappers from the East Coast or if New York winds up holding every spot at the end of the day. This also means that after just two short weeks, Biggie is unfortunately driven out of our top three artists to come from the East Coast, which actually feels kind of insane to say, but again... This goes to show you how the birthplace of hip-hop surely has some of the greatest MCs of all time. So naturally, it's going to be incredibly hard going forward to crack that particular list. Shout out to Meth for taking over the second place slot here. And to everybody else for holding down a spot in their respective regions. As well as a shout out to Biggie for being in that incredibly difficult list to crack. Even if it was for a short period of time. And before we move on from this list, I'm sorry, but I just have to publicly state how hyped I am to see 
that the number two rapper to come out of the East Coast thus far is from Staten Island. Man, shame on me for sleeping on Mr. Mephster the way I did. But nonetheless, at the end of the day, he winds up getting the credit that he deserves. And I'm not going to lie, I'm pulling for Meph to hold on to that spot all the way to the end. I've been trying to tell people for a long time, there are some Staten Island artists with some major, major talent. Um, you know, whether they're popular, famous people like Method Man and stuff like that, or some of the underground guys that we'll get to later on that, that you know, that are friends with me that I know personally that maybe I've done music with or something like that. So, Staten in the motherfucking building, 100. If you'd like to see any of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit and a like to follow it at www.facebook.com slash podcast. You'll see all of our lists and schedules and stuff like that up there, so we'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on and allow you to see all of our lists and writing so you don't have to go skimming back through episodes to hear things. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. On the host website, you'll see a support button. I would appreciate if anybody could hit that button. And uh, that's it for episode 36 and a pretty impressive and eventful one today. So that's always awesome. Next week, we will be covering Juvenile and Big L. And in what seems to be a major trend lately, I promise you this is an episode that you do not want to miss. Tale of the Tapes. Peace. Tale of the Tapes. Might as well.